Welcome, welcome, welcome. How's everybody doing? Hope you are doing well. My name is Andrew Kuhn, Focus Compounding, the number one value investing podcast in the world, sitting next to the co-founder, Mr. Jeff Gann. Jeff, how's it going today? Uh, it is going very well, Andrew. How's it going with you? It's going great. We hope it's going great for everybody else. Hey, if you are listening to us on YouTube, hit the subscribe button, thumbs this video up. If you are listening on uh, the podcast side things, a rating and review goes a very long way. So in today's podcast, we're going to try to get a little bit more into the filings and into the numbers. We're going to be talking about operating leverage. Okay. And operating leverage works great when it's on the upside, mm-hmm. but nobody likes to talk about how terrible it can be on the downside. Okay. So what is operating leverage first uh, before we dive into it? And then I will also pull up a filing for this company. We're going to be using Dover Motor Sports. Okay. So operating leverage is basically how much of each dollar a uh, uh, marginal dollar, so marginal means next or last, either way that you want to look at it, uh, of your revenue or another item we could use like gross profit or something, uh, actually translates into profitability down scale, uh, down um, from down the income statement from that. So an example would be a company with completely fixed costs um, would uh, basically turn a single dollar into an additional dollar of free cash flow. Um, it would pay taxes and stuff still. So a good way, you know, that's a good way of thinking about that. So the incremental cost for uh, Google is basically nothing to sign up one more Gmail customer. So getting an advertiser to pay for an additional customer, um, that's the profit. It drops right to the bottom line. So some things have very high operating um uh, leverage and that would be things like a theme park or a TV network or something like that and then some have very low and that would be things that they can be things that have to do with like um, manufacturing of things where almost all the cost is in your uh, materials cost got it cool so do you want to go through the 10q or the 10k what do you want me to do yeah go up? the 10k okay so we're going to look at the 10k for dover motorsports dover Mo- motorsports owns two properties one is about 35 miles from nashville and the other is in dover delaware the only one that makes money is the one in delaware properties for what nascar got it do you like I mean, nascar th- you don't seem like a nascar type of guy i don't seem like a nascar kind of guy. <laughs> no. um i don't watch any uh, sports of any kind anymore i was taking the bill gates approach of uh he, i was saying how he said that when he got serious about software he stopped listening to music and watching tv shows something like that yeah but don't let jeff fool you because i've talked to your dad about this before and i was like for a guy that does not watch sports you seem to know a lot about sports and what's going on so i don't know where you get all this stuff from i, I used to be interested in sports things uh for a guy that doesn't watch baseball doesn't watch football i mean you sure know a lot about what's going on so uh yeah but i've cut those things out of my life politics and sports i decided were the two things that you just have to i actually didn't watch one nfl game last year is that true yeah not one oh wow i I don't i don't watch sports either really i'm kind of like a bandwagon fan like i like to wait to the main event or whatever like like super bowl or playoffs or whatever Uh uh-huh yeah my father says if i didn't look like him he wouldn't think i was his son because he's very much into sports (laughs) okay um okay so what do you want uh, so here this is a good thing to break down so they have admissions event related broadcasting as their revenue yeah and then their expenses are operating and marketing general administrative and depreciation so the first thing we would do is we would cross out depreciation because it's not a cash expense now it could be too little could be too much i don't want to give them the credit back you know like i don't want to use ebitda instead of ebit or whatever but we just it doesn't matter to me we do it have to use capex separately so let's cross it out in our mind and then we're left with admissions event related and broadcasting versus operating marketing and gna mm-hmm. now it's a little simpler here because we can basically just eyeball it and see that event related and gna are about the same and they're pretty stable i mean gna event related dropped by 20 percent or something from 2018 to 2019 but overall there's stability there looks like those kind of cancel out Mm -hmm. which means what we're really left with is broadcasting and admissions versus operating and marketing and the question here is 
is the variability of, say, broadcasting greater than it is operating and marketing? And if that's true, okay, then you're going to have operating leverage in the extent of the broadcasting thing. If you read the 10K, you can see that broadcasting is contractually obligated to increase by 4% a year for the next three years because it's a NASCAR deal. Go ahead. Okay, so I was going to say, so what do you mean by the variability? Like, tell me, take me through that process. All right. Use your eyes, look at it, yep. and decide. We can use a calculator to show people. But how much do you think it's changing each year? So broadcasting, let's use the example of over th- two years because okay. we have that. So 34.267 million okay. uh, divided by 31.775. Okay, so over a two-year period, it's increased by 8%. I'd say contraction has to be about 4%. So um, And it, then we can look at the operating and marketing. Now, an important part here to understand this, so do the same calculation, 29.24, and then divide by 20.76. I can just do this. It's $500,000 divided by uh, out of $29 million. So what we're talking about here is that uh, it's a move of a couple percent total. So you only had a couple percent increase in expenses versus it. I mean, So what you're doing is you're taking the difference in the revenue, so it grew by 8%, and then the expenses only grew by nothing. Yeah, but what we can show people with this is 357 We'll just round these off, okay? okay. 30, 34.27, uh, 30, 34.27, yeah. Okay. Minus 29.24, okay? Okay. Is equals, is 5 million. Yep. So the spread between the broadcasting revenue and the operating and marketing expense is 5 million. Mm-hmm. The other parts of the business we can put aside and stuff and just say, what's the spread? So this is what we're talking about with the leverage. So that spread is 5 million in 2019. What was it back in 2017? We do 31.78. Okay. All right, minus... 28.77, uh, seven, six, but that's fine. Yeah. 3.02. Okay. So what's important there though, is think about how big that increase is. You have an increase, which is 2 million on, on 3 million is a 65% increase, basically six, roughly. Um, and so you have had a 65% increase in sort of that profitability spread that we have there. And yet we know it's on only an 8% increase in revenue. Mm-hmm. So that's an important, uh, difference there. Why is that happening? Well, it's, for a few factors. One, the gap is so small. And so this is the thing that people need to be aware of is that the earnings growth that you have is going to depend on how much the expansion of the, the um, margin is in a sense. So if we do margin, we look at this as a margin. Now, of course, I'm making this all up. The company doesn't report this as margin stuff. I just think that sort of it's a good way of looking at it and it's going to help you understand this business. So you have to read the 10K to understand why I think that, but I think you'll come to the same conclusion. So if we do that, we do 5 million Right, it was about five million in twenty nineteen yep. mm-hmm. divided by thirty four point two six seven. Okay, that margin is only about fifteen percent now. What was it back in twenty seventeen? So in twenty seventeen we had thirty one point seven eight. It was three. It was three million. So let's just do three million divided by thirty two million as an example. Divided by thirty two million. Sure. Let's just round them. Right. So you had an expansion in that margin from like about three percent to about fifteen percent. So this dramatic expansion. And why did that expansion happen? It happened because it seems that operating uh, and marketing expenses are not um, rising at the same rate as broadcasting. Now, if we looked at it long ago past, maybe they would be. Okay. So is that like it has reached like a point of scale where the um, the sales don't or the cost of the sales don't cost as much as right? Of it. Yeah. Yeah. And we know that the other expenses are actually even more fixed. So depreciation has to be very fixed, except for what's happening with um, new assets you're putting into. Um, 
uh, new assets they are putting into service, but also the GNA isn't moving up much at all. We can see it increased two hundred thousand over two years. You know, which on a base of seven is you know that's a less than three percent increase. Or something. And that's when you can have like EBITDA grow faster than revenue and stuff like that. Right. And so why would that be happening? Well, if we think logically about the business, right, they're hosting the same six races. I think only five of them would be significant for TV purposes. But so the same five races um, a year for that NASCAR's televising or whatever. And um, their agreement is basically that they get uh, uh, bumped up each year the same way that NASCAR is because they get a fixed percentage of what NASCAR gets for that um, race. So if that's increasing at like 4% a year we looked at another company ms uh uh madison square garden uh mm-hmm. networks yeah. uh, msg networks. yeah and um they have the you know they do the knicks and the rangers are theirs so yeah, it's definitely the rangers yeah it is. so um because of that they um uh, they have a part of their business, which is that making money off of the um, the uh, subscription fees that cable companies are paying and stuff. But their issue, though, of course, is that they have a fixed um, payment that they have to uh, make in terms of like um, uh, for the to the teams and stuff and things like that. So the question is how that works. If you have a deal like this with NASCAR, where you're getting a percentage of it, and then you're paying out a percentage in like purses and stuff, so basically a percentage out to the drivers who win and things like that, um, then an increase in the broadcasting revenue over time will be very profitable for you so it means that there's significant leverage that way it's also negative though because nascar will have to renegotiate a deal in 2024 Mm -hmm. and were they to renegotiate that deal at a rate that doesn't increase at four percent a year or even worse a rate that's lower than what they have now uh that would be extremely negative for the business or let's consider another factor right this all sounds great but what if they lose a race Sure. So 96% of their revenue comes from races at Dover, and there are only six of those a year. So if we factor that in, we're talking about you'd be losing like 15% of your revenue on um, just a uh, losing a single race, right? And you Mm -hmm. could lose all of them or something, presumably. So that kind of decline would be very big for the company. So if we think of the costs as being mostly pretty fixed, some of them are completely fixed, like G&A probably, then a decline of like 15% would cause a much bigger drop in earnings. This is the biggest factor, I think, and when we talk about operating leverage and stuff, of people not... um, people not thinking correctly about certain businesses, I think is that there's a default thinking in people's heads that declines in revenue and declines in earnings are more likely to be more similar than they really are when that's not true. So what do you mean by that? If sales at a company decline 5%, that can for some companies have a 5% mm. difference in terms of earnings as some companies, a 5% decline in sales will eliminate like a lot of mm-hmm. your earnings um and it will depend on the leverage in in the business and then what if you have financial leverage on top of that right so that would just amplify it so for the for the common shareholders so it, it's both of those things together so when you have a combination of operating leverage and financial leverage that's where it becomes sort of devastating and stuff so um and then there's also the difference between new business and old business where new business can decline a lot faster that way. So like a really good example is like a gym. If a gym has a fairly moderate decline in the number of new people it signs up, it can go from being very successful to bankrupt because it has a high degree of operating leverage. It doesn't cost less to run a gym with more people or fewer people in mm-hmm. it. And then they have leverage on top of that, usually in the form of leases, sometimes mortgages. Um, and so those two factors together matter a lot because you're also not retaining your old business. It dies off too quickly that people don't renew. I mean, is it... Would you suggest people stay away from businesses that have operating leverage? Or is it just really well, understanding my favorite, it? My favorite businesses of all are those with operating leverage. Okay, so, so then why 
is it just really being aware of like what could potentially happen if you do have a 5% decline in revenue and, and what that could do to earnings? Yeah. So you're, the best businesses to buy are companies with operating leverage that will be getting better while you own them. The worst to be companies with operating leverage that will be getting worse while you own them. Because of the, the future sales are essentially, I don't want to say free, but you already paid for maybe a park or whatever, and maybe you don't need more G&A to run it. Depending on the kind of sales, it is free. Mm-hmm. I mean, Dover will cost exactly the same amount. That, that Speedway there will cost exactly the same amount, whether you um, price the tickets 10% higher or 10% lower. So knowing whether people will pay more for tickets, knowing whether NASCAR will bring in more in um, other prices like that. Like if we look here, look, admissions declined. Yeah. So you have a decline in admissions that's pretty significant. That's a $1.5 million decline in admissions. That's a pretty big deal because your total expense structure otherwise isn't that big. Um, if we assume that the operating and marketing is mostly related to broadcast, which is most of your revenue, right? So so here we get about, I guess, about 80% of your revenue or something is, com- well, no, about, yeah, about 80% of your revenue is coming from broadcasting. And then the other bits are bringing in smaller amounts uh, under that. So I, I would say that it, it the, like this example, right? You've already, people ask about inflation and stuff, right? So mm-hmm. let's just use this example. What do you think with inflation? Would Dover Motorsports be a good investment or a bad investment? With inflation? High inflation. Imagine inflation goes to 10, 20% a year tomorrow. It'd be good. It'd be an amazing investment. Yeah, yeah. yeah there's little chance that it couldn't increase at at least the rate of, in, uh, of inflation over time. Mm-hmm. Because although until NASCAR signed a new deal, they would be operating under On the, the old yeah. uh, ones, um, their increases would become very big, whereas the speedway's already been paid for, and there's fairly low, we can go to it uh, in the cash flow statement. Let's go to the cash flow sure. statement now. Fairly low CapEx needs. So you already have the asset in place. So we see cash flow from operations there, and then you see that amount in terms of capital expenditures. So let's just add it, add, um, take it each together. So this is another part of the operating leverage thing, is that it has to do with whether you're, put, in terms of your returns, this is not what people talk about with operating leverage, but it's a very important factor, is how much do they have to put into the business going forward. Mm-hmm. So let's add 1.87. Whoops, 1.8. 1.88, yeah, there we go. Plus 0.99, plus 6.45, okay? Divide by three. All right, so about 3.1 million on average has been what they've been spending these last three years. If we go up top back to, uh, we don't actually have to, it shows depreciation in both places, but that's fine. Um, we'll see that on average, the depreciation is actually a bit more than their actual CapEx has had to be, mm-hmm. which is actually very interesting because I had mentioned they actually have two speedways. So they're depreciating two speedways, but they shouldn't be spending any money on the old speedway because they haven't had a race there for like 10 years. So um, given that fact that you're still depreciating a speedway that isn't bringing in any money, uh, we have a hint here. Now they might be very big CapEx in past years. So let's go to QuickFS and see if we can see some really big CapEx in past years. Um, there, there's a strong hint here that their their free cash flow will be a lot higher than their earnings. So if you look, there haven't been years where they paid a lot for PPE, right? No. But QuickFS is factoring in the reverse because we see some years that are negative and some that are positive, and that's because they take into account the fact they've sold off parts of Nashville. Mm. So they're booking gains on that because it's carried on their books at below the value that it really has. Uh, usually their booking gains are about double. So the, the asset's probably worth twice as much as what it's shown for. So if the book value says $20 million, it's probably worth $40 million just based on the past. But they'd have to pay some taxes on that. Um, but because of that, let's, so let's look at that as an example, okay? So, so quick of us? Yeah. Okay. Let's go to key ratios maybe. Can we do that? 
if you sign up for QuickFS, make sure you tell me you came from Focus Compounding. Yes. So we can look <laughs> at things like uh, the year-over-year growth, the PPE. Okay. Yeah. So let's see. So if we look at free cash flow that's bouncing around everywhere, so it's going to be a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. If we look at, um, yeah, the, these there's a lot of messiness in their reporting, so this is going to be hard to see. But free cash flow margin, I guess we could look at. But it'll probably bounce around too much. But that's a good example. Free cash flow margin, right? So what's the sort of range we've been seeing in terms of free cash flow margin? It looks like all the way down to 1% and all the way up to 23%. Okay, but take a year where it was 1%. So where are the two bad years that we see there? So we got 1% and then 9.6% or 9.2. So let's take three years for either one of those. So let's take the first three years. So it looks bad. We say 1%. That's a bad free cash flow margin. But is that realistic? Let's take that year and then each of the two years after that. Okay. Okay. So. Okay. So we got 1.1. This is not working. 1.1 plus 18.3 plus 23.7. Okay. And then divide by three. Yep. 14. So it looks like it's 1% or something, but over a three-year average, which I always encourage people to use, it's actually 14%. The same if we use the nine, we can guess with the nine. So what were the other years? 17, 12, and nine? Uh, yep. So 17, 12, and nine is going to work out to not that far distant either from it. So that's basically, if you look, that's basically 10, 12, and 17, you're going to be pretty close to 14 still. So the, the margin is not actually shifting around that much. It's just looking lumpy. But so now let's look at the EV to sales to give us a good idea. Because this is where we want to look into the things of like, do we have an upside and stuff in this stock to be able to uh, see if it's attractive, right? So EV to sales, 0.9, right? So that's pretty interesting. That's very interesting because you have a free cash flow margin that on average, what do they give as their free cash flow margin long term? 14% average, right? Yep. So if this grows over time, you take 14 divided by 0.9, that's your return. So your return is on a cash basis is already 15% or better. Okay, explain that. Why do you do that? Well, you do that because... Based on what you're paying okay, today. Okay, so the company is turning 14 cents for every dollar of sales into cash flow, uh, free cash flow, but you're actually getting a discount because you're only paying 90 cents for every dollar of um, sales. Because of that, that means that the operating margin, operating leverage is going to be very important here, but it's going to be, um, uh, what, let's go to the balance sheet, by the way. So it's going to be um, based on whether they grow that or not. So this entire investment is going to really be based on the operating leverage that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Now, here's why the balance sheet is interesting. Let's see. So what's their current assets? Current assets, 10 million. Total liabilities? 18 million. 18 million. And what form is most of the liabilities in? Deferred revenue is major or minor? Uh, major, 9 million. Okay, take out the deferred revenue. Okay, so it's like 9 million. So is current assets and total liabilities about even? About even, yeah. Without the deferred revenue. So that's yeah. what we'll do. So we'll say it's about even. Why is that interesting? Well, all the free cash flow is from the, all the sales, I should say, is from the uh, one in Dover. What's the one in Nashville worth? 25 million, 40 million? So it's not What's the market cap? It. Right? So you have two buckets here, and basically the market cap is not valuing the company at much more than the empty Nashville one's worth. Now they have to pay back Nashville. They'll be obligated to pay some bonds because the, the I don't remember if it's the counties or the state in Tennessee issued bonds um, to improve the, the, uh, the speedway. Mm-hmm. So, and then of course the speedway eventually shut down some years later. So because of that, they'll be on the hook for the bonds, although they don't normally pay the bonds. So it's an off balance sheet thing. But if you did that, you'd say, okay, this whole business is really based on how high will the free cash flow be from Dover. Let's assume that. Let's mm-hmm. assume that you 
you calculate what you decide it's worth. And a lot of the market cap is taken out by the fact that Nashville's worth something. It's a thousand acres. So, you know, $47 million for a thousand acres, 30 minutes away from Nashville. Doesn't sound to me like the, it's not worth close to the, uh, that amount. I mean, they have to pay taxes and stuff, but still. So um, it's all about will they grow the revenue or not over time, right? At Dover. Mm-hmm. So let's look at the revenue historically. Um, it has been pretty flat over the full period, but it was gaining for a while and then it declined after that. The new Na- NASCAR contracts, which are with NBC and and uh, Fox and stuff, I think were 10-year deals starting in around 2014. I don't remember which year they're booked in. So maybe there was some worse numbers there. I know that NASCAR in general has had some decreases in in interest in it in the last 10 years, basically, um, as, a, as a sport in terms of the broadcast stuff. But that they may have signed those deals before that would have mattered a lot because um, the escalation is 4% no matter what. So the key questions are like, will they have more or less races each year, mm-hmm. right? That's the marginal thing about it. Will the attendance be more or less each year? Right. That matters a little bit. But the broadcasting. So the two huge things are more or less um, more or less uh, races each year. So they're doing like six, but only five of those are like national events or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then more or less um, uh, broadcast rights for that. Right. So if they lose a race, that would be huge. If they gain a race, that would be huge. So in your analysis of it, it the, the the company's value is going to move 15, 20 percent, I think, p- potentially at least that much because um, the revenue will be 15 or 20 percent. But we saw the operating leverage is big. So I would guess way more than 20 percent up or down based on whether they add or subtract a race each year and then the rights. So if the rights were going up at four percent a year, if they continue to do that, that's a lot of leverage that you could have. Um and I think that that's basically your entire analysis because the entire value of it uh, depends on whether or not you have more races and whether or not each race is a little more valuable than the one before it. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, as you run it through the operating leverage thing, that's what we saw. We can see that, too, with things like um, I don't know how easy this is to see in the operating profit, but let's look. So revenue peaked at what point? Uh, 2011 or 2012? 2010, it was 55 million. It's been going down since then. Okay, so it's fifty-five million. Um, so, but it, so let's use those three years. So, 2010, 2011, 2012, Its operating profit was reported. This is not a very good number, though. Do we have EBITDA somewhere? Um, let's see, maybe under key ratios. Do you have it in here? EBITDA. Yeah, there we go. Uh, okay. Per share. Yeah, that's fine. I don't think the share counts change very much over time. Here we go. Uh, yeah. So we got the share okay. per share. Um, am I right about that? They bought back some stock, but I don't think it's a big difference. Um, so EBITDA per share we see was, so most last three years, what does it average at? Just tell me what the last three years were. Uh, 0. 0.29, 0.28, 0.23. All right. And then the first three years? 0. 0.31, 0.26, 0. 0.35. All right. So let's say it declined from about 30 cents to about 25 cents a share or something like that. Actually, that's pretty remarkable how they're able to do that if that's true that's interesting so if that's true we haven't seen a big decline let's look at some margin things we have not seen a big decline in terms of their returns ebitda margin yeah so what's the ebitda margin for the first three years of that period 20.3 18.1 27.4 all right and then the last three 22.4, 21 17.8. Okay, you can do the calculation on it because we will see that there's a decline in the margin. So that's what matters. So if we do the first three years and the last three years, you'll see that there has been a decline in the margin of, let's see, so we got 20 point, oops, 20.3 plus 18.1 plus 27.4. Okay, so okay. 20, 22. Right, and then the last? 
And then last three, where we at? It's 22.4 plus 21.3 plus 17.8 divided by three, 20.5. Okay. So um, the EBITDA margin is remarkably stable um, given what's happened. So we would have to look into more details about the expenses. It would seem that they've done a better job of keeping expenses in, tra- in, in line with their declining in revenues, which I don't understand why that is because as far as I know, 2011 was last year they made any money off of Nashville. So that's pretty impressive. Um, do, let's see, do you have income statement? Yeah, let's go to income statement for the last 10 years to see this. Okay, SG, there you go. So look at SGNA. Yeah, so they've cut it. Like SGNA, that's amazing. What company ever does that? Cuts SGNA down. They cut it thirty percent and kept it down. Mm-hmm. Well, look at their net income; it's actually risen. Yeah. So anyway, they have a lot less operating uh, leverage on the downside than I would expect because they were so successful in cutting the SGNA. In fact, you have an eight million dollar decline in revenue, or actually a little bit more than that, nine million dollar decline in revenue there between like twenty ten and twenty fourteen or so, and yet you were able to cut about three million or so from uh, SGNA. Yeah. And then it's, I don't know what's being included in stuff in the other operating expenses. That's har- harder to tell. But the total operating expenses really haven't increased all that much. They did a pretty good job of controlling them in that period. So I don't know what happened there. But it, when they had a revenue decline, they did a good job of not having it all convert. A lot of companies, basically all of that revenue would have declined because SGNA tends to drop Stay almost not at all versus mm-hmm. sales. Yeah. So this company does have operating leverage, but they were good about managing it is the main takeaway. <laughs> I guess, yeah. Or there was some reason why that happened. If they're able to keep their SGNA under wraps like that and yeah. have increasing revenue, then you would just see a dramatic increase in terms of free cash flow and stuff like that. So if if you, if you the, they could have more races, if they could have higher payments on their broadcasting things, and if they could keep SGNA the same, that's the difference between a company that's like moderately attractive or whatever and a company that's going to be a huge success. And I don't know the answer to that. I don't know enough about NASCAR, nor do I know enough about the organization to know if they would keep costs under wraps. But that's the sort of thing that would be a coiled spring for for really good results if they could do that. But I don't know if NASCAR um, things in 2024 will be renewed at lower rates or higher rates. You know, I'd have to know more about the sport. And I definitely don't know about how good they'd be at getting the same number of races. They've had races there for decades and decades, but cool. I don't know how many they get. they get. Yeah. Cool. Well, that was a great explanation on operating leverage. I want to thank everybody so much for tuning in with Jeff and myself. If you want to get access to QuickFS on the premium side of things, you can sign up for free. But if you want the premium side of things and you do sign up, make sure you tell them that you came from Focus Compounding. If you're watching us on YouTube, hit the subscribe button, thumbs this video up. We hope you like these interactive um, videos, podcasts. Seems like people like it. And hopefully on the podcast side of things, we try to talk out loud. So it's, yeah, it's still so okay. Don't see us yeah. here yeah. dead to air as we talk, say, oh, isn't that interesting? Yeah. So um, I want to thank everybody so much for tuning with Jeff myself podcast side of things a rating review goes a very long way we appreciate all the support and we will see you in the next podcast